Hello and welcome to the Underwater Technology Podcast from SUT, the Society for Underwater Technology. My name is Steve Hall, I'm the CEO, and each week we'll be bringing you interviews with members, guests and collaborators from across a wide spectrum of the global underwater technology community. Episode 18, this is the 16th of July 2020, and my guest this week is Alexander Fuglsang. Alex is founder and CEO of F sub CAS, based over there in Norway, a leading and innovative supplier of subsea pumping systems. He's also a member of the partnership Fast Subsea. It turns out that almost every human activity that takes place below sea level requires the use of subsea pumping systems. We'll learn about their use in offshore oil and gas, in the future in carbon capture and storage, in deep sea mining, and even in the aquaculture industry. Hand over to you, Alex. Tell us a bit about who you are, where you trained, and what you do. Great, thanks. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be uh, on your podcast. Um, and um, yeah, in brief, I'm uh, uh, you know, 44 years based in Oslo. I trained as a um, marine biologist for a while and then got a, a business degree. I was kind of uh, taken by the, the spread between the, the biology side and the, and the business side. So I tried to train a little bit in both and then uh, in Vancouver, Canada for for four years okay. and I've been um, um, you know we have had the family business um, for quite a while involved with with pumps uh, pumps is the second most common machinery in the world after the motor mm-hmm. electromotor so I thought it was uh, you know um, interesting after a few years of working in the UK uh, I, I moved to Norway to take over the family business uh, um, I've always been keen on the marine side uh, scuba diving i've uh, sailed across the atlantic and done different things and fly seaplanes so i'm above average interested in, in marine life and preserving the oceans so, and we we found there's a lot of applications for pumps in the deep seas so i transitioned the business and, and did a spin-off of the family business to start truly song subsea or f subsea mm-hmm. back in 2013 um so kind of marrying my interest in technology with the and and the marine life with with the business side. So uh, okay, yeah. So so what kind of pumps were you building before the move to subsea? Sure, we the kind of uh, the DNA of the family business was was really uh, dealing with the uh, with the pumping systems that had uh, a certain challenge to them. So uh, you know, process industry pumps, large industrial pumps where there was corrosion. Uh, high pressure, high temperature, abrasion, erosion, and then sometimes all these things mixed together. So, so, so really the the tough and difficult applications. Uh, mm, okay, that's uh, really interesting. So, so quite a transition to move from uh, the biology end in, into the kind of materials and the engineering of of pumps. Absolutely, I, I've always been kind of the inquisitive type. So, I, I found uh, I found that. Uh, Interesting, and I also found some commonalities in uh, and some benefits to having a kind of a broad background uh, into particularly moving to the to the seabed. Okay, so yeah. so what kind of products are you making now, Alex? Sure. So we're kind of um, um, split in two, and um, in terms of uh, application areas, one 
One are, are pumps that are dealing with the, uh, you know, the kind of single phase environment where we are, uh, that means pumping uh, a liquid and, uh, and, um, and, um, uh, in, in the subsea, it's anything from uh, helping to dig trenches on the seabed to uh, uh, moving uh, you know, new new generation of drilling systems over to more environmentally sustainable systems, uh, kind of mm-hmm. close to pumping of uh, drilling mud, and and then and more recently the kind of second leg or second area, which is uh, moving into the pumping of. Uh, uh, multi-phase, which is uh, a dual, um, you know, pumping uh, liquids as well as gases, and and so we're pretty excited about a joint venture we set up last year with Aqua Solutions uh, mm-hmm. called Past Subsea, fifty-fifty uh, owned, uh, where we really capitalize on all the work they've done for the past, uh, particularly past five or ten years uh, in in subsea pumps and uh, and some of the, some new technology that we we have come up with to make pumps completely or at least more autonomous and completely free from from surface supporting equipment that can often be uh, you know four five six hundred tons of equipment in conventional pumps and we are uh, basically eliminating all of that okay so you're aiming for very long periods between requiring uh, maintenance where where possible absolutely so so um, the, the kind of target is to, to try and have hands off the pumps for at least five years at a time once they're installed in the seabed and, okay. uh, and try and, and get rid of the traditional platforms and structures altogether uh, in, in, the, in the industry. Okay. And are these, the, are these all electrically powered pumps or are they hydraulic systems? Yes. The, uh, in, the, in the context of – well. Most of our pumps are, are purely electric. There is some, uh, and, and definitely in the fast subsea realm for the multiphase, it's all all electric. Uh, we have some legacy pumps in our uh, for for uh, ROVs that's still uh, for, for pumping uh, seawater at depth for cleaning or excavation purposes. That uh, they are still hydraulically operated, but they are a small number. Yeah. Mm, okay, and I, you know, I, I'm not a an oil and gas guy by by training or profession uh, but I, I'm told by my colleagues who are that when you develop an oil field or a gas field a very high proportion of the hydrocarbon remains in place even when it comes to the the end of its its usual commercial life so I guess that the application of of advanced pumping technology is able to uh, prolong the life of these sort of fields hey, absolutely I mean yeah, I think you're hitting Right on the spot. Uh, on land, you, you typically would, would uh, extract something like 60-65% of an oil well um, and before we kind of move on to the next. Uh, subsea or offshore wells, uh, the, uh, the global average is around 35%. So that means 65% uh, actually remains down there. And I think that's, that's a bit odd and also kind of a um, particularly now where, where we need to really think carefully about sustainability and saving, uh, you know, the planet that we are living on. I think it's, it's, uh, it's a bit awkward that we're spending almost 32 billion US dollar every year on finding new subsea oil wells, uh, in terms of exploration, drilling and seismic activity. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's really not productive uh, when you, at the same time, you have a tool which is available now, uh, to to uh, to to have pumps on the seabed, 
and really either by water injection or pumping the oil and gas stream directly, you can enhance recovery from you know, 10 to 30 percent mm. from existing oil wells. Um, and, and, and with our technology, we can do it without adding any kind of uh, hot work and steel structure uh, practically whatsoever. Um, Okay, so you're talking about a, a substantial increase in the lifespan uh, of an oil well or, or, or a gas uh, resource. Yeah. And, and it's not uh, just expansion of, of time, but it can actually be the opposite. You can actually uh, you can actually accelerate the production. So that means your an oil field can spend you know 20 megawatt uh, 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 of, of size of energy. And when you, and if you have an oil field that would under these conditions today would take say 15 years to complete you can complete that field in say 10 years so that means a 20 megawatt system running 24 hours a day can be switched off for five years mm, okay. that, you know then that's something like taking uh, we did some calculations and that's like taking a hundred thousand cars off the road so so you can you can really make a difference now um, um, with, with some of this technology in terms okay. of CO2 emissions. And, and are systems like this designed to be reused at another installation afterwards? Yes, they can both in terms of the, the big thing with reuse in our industry is really, that, you know, that has two, two sides to it. One is the reuse of the actual physical equipment, and, and that's, uh, that's a yes. Uh, it's not traditionally been done that much in the subsea because of the, the quality requirements and the reliability requirements and, yeah. and, the, and, and, the, and the custom uh, made nature of the business. But I think, uh, and that brings me to the second one, and it's reuse of the actual design is a big one because you see typical projects, and it's a yes to that one as well, because typical projects in subsea processing can take you know hundreds of thousands of engineering hours. Uh, so, so you can uh, reusing the design dramatically lowers the cost um, as well. Okay, and and as we begin moving away from hydrocarbons into this energy transition period, mm -hmm. I guess that your your pumps will also have an important role to play in things like carbon capture and storage. Absolutely, um, both in the carbon capture uh, and, and transport and storage uh, value chain and in the hydrogen value chain we see uses of this uh, technology um, and both uh, in terms of um, yeah the um, you know the, the pipelines and transport side the the injection side and when it comes to carbon um, um, we see projects like um, you know, Northern Lights here in Norway now, where they're going to use topside equipment, but the, uh, but you have companies like Petrobras who are uh, investing heavily now in CO2 injection by 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 subsea rotating machinery, and I think it, we really have a, a part to play in in those those value chains with this technology as well as we uh, having having equipment closer to where the action is uh, i mean that means either the reservoir where you're injecting something uh, co2 storage for example or where you're extracting something from you're really working with mother nature as opposed to against it so you're you have the physics working with you so the closer to the to the source where you have the machinery the better and and i, I you know what gets me up in the morning and, and fairly excited is the fact that we have you know, we, we we do spend a lot of time looking at the, the framework of the UN sustainability goals. And, you know, if you look at goal number one and, and goal number seven, both of them has to do with uh, providing, um, uh, pulling people out of poverty and then providing universal access to affordable, reliable and, and uh, modern energy services. And 
you can't just uh, in in the near term you can't wipe out the ex- uh, some of the existing sources to that uh, wealth uh, and sources to that energy uh, so but um, you know we have tools in the toolbox right now to to um, to provide that in a more sustainable way with hydrocarbon being a, being a part of the whole story and whilst uh, from our perspective the technology that we are we're building and qualifying and developing and offering is is really relevant for for the next phase as well. So um, so that's that's kind of exciting for us. Mm. And uh, and does hydrogen pose you know particular engineering problems or or, or are most of the solutions uh, already available? No, it, that's particularly when when you when you bring cost into the picture. And I mean, in terms of the the basic engineering, both the, the green and the blue hydrogen. It's uh, you know it's quite well understood how you produce hydrogen by electricity, uh, you know, uh, and it's uh, it's also well understood how you pr- produce it by uh, methane gas with with the carbon capture part. Uh, so so sure. the left one is the blue, uh, and but it's the um, there's some 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 technology challenges which are not insurmountable, but they're like you know the, the high pressure elements of, of storing liquid hydrogen and so on and the. And, uh, and or in uh, in different forms, and you have the, but more most dominantly, I think you have the, the combination of the technology with with the quality, reliability, and safety aspects, and the uh, the, the cost element, getting down the cost curve. Uh, so I think that's the ma- major one, uh, not kind of fundamental uh, technology development. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you're uh, you're a pilot. You you enjoy aviation. And I guess that the many of the approaches we see in the aviation sector about the you know reliability of equipment and uh, scheduled maintenance and you know dealing with you know advanced materials. Uh, much of this must uh, fall into your your world of pumps as well. Absolutely. Um, it's definitely. The whole the whole kind of approach to engineering is very relevant for 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 um, uh, for both. When you have um, you know from an aviator's point of view, if you're if you're not careful about your reliability and your uh, and, and also particularly the safety aspect, you're uh, you know you're not able to be in business. So, so that that's exciting. And it, they're they're all rotating. I'm not into jet airplanes at the moment, so I guess we're in the rotating system space on, on both the pumps <laughs> and the and the planes. So that's 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 kind of cool as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you know, we've got lots of other technologies that are going to be emerging in 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 coming years, mm-hmm. and uh, one of those, it partially to, to meet the demand for materials for this electric uh, gen- uh, revolution, is probably going to have to be a move to at least some level of uh, deep sea mining. And I understand that your 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 pumps have some applications there as well. Yes, we are. We are. Uh, we're currently looking at different applications uh, for that. I think. I think we're we're quite far away from uh, from from um, uh, from having kind of an industry out there. And I think I'm. I would kind of side with the environmentalist that's saying that you know we, we can't just uh, uh, trawl over over the seabed uh, uh, in an uncontrolled fashion. But I would, we see many countries now coming up with this. Uh, um, Legislation, including Norway last year, uh, for for how to explore the the, the mining um, side, and and so we're definitely following it. And I think the key is going to be how to do it in a kind of a gentle and focused and efficient way. And that's exactly what our our pumps can do. So if we can 
um, help out, you know, when the, the world needs more rare earth elements and, and platinum and manganese and cobalt and so on. And there's definitely lots of resources there that come from other regions than, than the, the kind of uh, narrow space where you get these minerals today. So I, I think oh, if, if done correctly, I think ocean mining can be a great thing. And, and we definitely are in business of pumping, you know, uh, particulates and and everything. And I think it's also um, you know, an area where where the combination uh, of um, working with the systems integrator subsea like Arca Solutions uh, that we've gotten to know now uh, through Fast Subsea would be a, be a great benefit to to um, you know to both of us, but mostly kind of the, the clients and the and also the having a sustainable system really to because I think that's going to be the key. Um, it, it, it is. That's certainly the case because we we may well need to access these materials, but we have to be able to do so in in a in a way that doesn't destroy the very ecosystem that we yeah. we're also seeking to protect. And I I understand from speaking to some Japanese engineers that one of the big challenges with uh, subsea mining is is how you pump a mixture of crushed crushed rock and uh, water. Yeah. You know, to the surface from quite quite a considerable depth because I think we're talking four, five, six thousand yes. meters of some of these operations and and trying to get the this very abrasive mix of materials up some mm-hmm. kind of riser you know to the uh, you yeah. know to the vessel or the barge on the top would certainly poses uh, quite a challenge for any kind of pump system. Yes, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, the, the way things are done at the moment, it's mostly moving stuff around on the seabed. So you're kind of trenching or, or digging ditches and moving uh, uh, solids materials uh, you know, a, a few meters away from the source. But when you're uh, taking it and pushing it to the surface, uh, it brings challenges. So you actually, in the conventional way, you're actually using uh, ejector systems and you're sort of indirectly pumping with a uh, venturis and uh, and in different ejectors uh, and uh, but you actually need to be uh, when you're pushing it to the surface you actually need to move the the actual rocks and nodules and what have you through the pumps themselves and that provides uh, challenges and this is what we do as a core business in many of our applications is is to actually drive you know rocks the size of of, of uh, of a couple of golf balls um you know through the actual machinery and then push them so so that's um, you know, and you have the different physics that has to be balanced. But you have to have something really hard in terms of materials uh, uh, because to to withstand the erosion and abrasion. But uh, if your materials become too hard, then they become uh, less ductile. So then they are less prone to keep uh, keep the pressure. So you need to balance that and you know a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. So, uh, Really yeah. interesting. And w- when a company like yours is is trying to design these systems, whether it's for hydrocarbons work or in in the future in in things like mining, where where are you finding the the skilled people you need to be able to you know design and create and manufacture these systems? Well, I think we've been fortunate in in Norway particularly to to have an environment for. Um, for reasons I'm not completely sure, but way back, but in you know, started in the mid '80s, we 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 had um, uh, lots of projects starting to, for subsea process and and and, and subsea system understanding. Um, you know, it even started way before that. But in terms of having uh, particularly rotating machinery, and and the first subsea pump was designed by Norwegians and put in in on the seabed back in 1995. 
Um, so, so we've had both a pool of, uh, I think, subsea system understanding people and, and, and also rotating machinery um, uh, on the seabed. Um, it's, it's kind of one of the last, uh, you know, Norway used to have a head, head start in, 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 in shipping way back, and that was kind of surpassed by several other nations. Then we had some head start on topside and, and offshore uh, gigantic projects. I think the, the Koreans and several others have uh, caught up with us somewhat. We, we still have fantastic you know, skill sets there, but I think subsea is kind of the last space where we still pride ourselves with having... Um, uh, a, a, a nice pool of people, comparatively speaking, to other countries. So, but uh, but I think we we would recruit from anywhere. But we we are definitely fortunate in our backyard to have people that understand the issues and, and the technology. And and if you couple that with with our legacy of um, of dealing with the, the process industry back in our family business, we've had uh, a certain exposure to mining and so forth to uh, since the the early 80s. So. So understanding the actual physics of pumping rocks and and abrasives is, is kind of second nature. So yeah. and um, and then um, yeah, that that would be the core, I guess. Yeah, it's really interesting. And and I, I'm not super familiar with the aquaculture sector, but I, I believe even in in sort of aquaculture, offshore fish, that the, the, there are applications of pumps there as well you know for moving uh, you know moving fish from one tank to another and uh, providing feed systems do, do, do you get involved in that as well well absolutely our our, 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 our traditional business is dealing with uh, with the aquaculture side okay uh, from from kind of the uh, i don't know the correct english word but the, the small fish uh, the baby fish and up mm-hmm. to to the um, you know the, the feedstock and then the, the waste handling of, of, uh, of the aqua farms uh, onshore and offshore and then to the, the the processing of the waste and the processing of the actual uh, the, the food uh, and there's a whole value chain there where, where we we are not you know a major player but we, we play a part in uh, but I think in, in the subsea space there's quite a lot of development now in terms of bringing fish farms both on land that requires a lot of pumping but if you take uh, offshore uh, and subsea to to bring gigantic uh, um, um, farms like uh, you know the ocean farm of Salmar and and the yes, I've seen, I've seen the photographs there uh, yep. huge huge structures yeah. and some of those need actually a whole lot less pumps which is great from an energy perspective uh, because they're they're offshore but some some applic- some of them uh, where they are actually thinking about subsea farms where you're uh, pu- uh, you're pushing it out to get away from the algae and the lice problem. Uh, so it's kind of a fantastic notion. But you you need to you need to have pumps in, in some of those to to manage food and manage waste. And you want to track if you have different nets offshore, you want to pull them sufficiently below the surface so that the main shipping traffic can go above it. Um, mm. And that means you need to provide maybe some oxygen as well, but um, and 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 you need to have tracking on how your fish is uh, faring in in the different farm in the different nets uh, with a centralized hub and the transport system on the seabed, so um, for for feedstock and, and and dead fish basically. So there's a whole bunch of interesting pumping applications that are uh, being. Um, looked at in in uh, particularly in studies at the moment yeah that's um, that's brilliant and you know for our listeners uh, i think it's going to be really interesting for those of them that aren't working in these areas to appreciate just what a a wide 
range of applications there are for for the humble subsea pump. You know, it turns out to be an absolutely essential piece of equipment. Well, we'd we'd like to think think so, but I think there's definitely some some evidence to back that up. So um, so we. Uh, and it's it's usually the critical part of the system where the kind of the main reliability discussion is uh, arise from. So we are um, you know we're truly excited about both the, uh, the the challenges but also the opportunities lying ahead for that. Yes, yes. I must I must read too much science fiction because in in my head now I'm I'm trying to think of future mines on the moon and how the uh, how the pumps will be moving uh, the material to the uh, to the conveyor belts. So uh, I right. guess perhaps your company might be doing that as well one day in the future. Who knows? Yes, certainly hope so. I, I'm I'm happy to be part of that part two of the podcast on that one. Yes. Brilliant. So if people want to find out more about uh, your company and your products or to get in contact with you, what do they need to do? Sure. Um, so the easiest place to find us, I think, is, is online. Uh, we, we have uh, the website for uh, uh, FastSubSea. It's uh, www.fastsubsea, in one word, .com. And then that would be the multi-phase side. And the single-phase pumps would be F subsea.com so www.fsubsea.com uh, they probably find me on uh, on LinkedIn as well that's kind of the social media site where where I personally spend a little bit of time at least um, so um, just my name and, and LinkedIn and probably track me there through the company names as well great okay well I'll, and I'll put those links up on the on the podcast uh, page as well so our listeners be able to find so brilliant i've really enjoyed that alex i didn't know much about pumps before i started speaking to you today and uh you know hopefully you know a lot of our listeners will feel the same and they'll be getting in contact and seeing how they can work with you in the future so thanks very much bye for now thank you and a pleasure to be on your your show and talk to you soon great well i never knew pumps could be so interesting it was a real pleasure speaking to alex i learned a lot i had no idea that pumps were involved in things like the aquaculture industry as well as our traditional oil and gas side and in deep sea mining future carbon capture and storage and who knows maybe even on other worlds one day and I'm sure that uh, F sub C or their descendants will be part of those programs. Contact me, Steve Hall, if you'd like to be on a future podcast episode. That's steve.hall at sut.org. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Find out more about SUT at sut.org. My thanks to Emily Boddy for composing and performing the podcast theme music and creating the podcast artwork. We'll be back again next week with another fascinating guest. Thanks very much and we'll speak to you soon. Bye.